Welcome back to Facing Fears and Shifting Gears, a podcast about mental health, neurodiversity, and how difficult times in our lives often lead us to positive breakthroughs and changes. My name is Leslie Reyes, and I'm a former psychiatric nurse, and I will tell you about that in a minute because I have never actually said that publicly. I'm the author of the award-winning Amazon bestseller, The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. Today, I'm going to be talking about my Zen motorcycle habit number three, which is be prepared, think and plan ahead. And I also like to think of this as taking care of your future self. And before I really dive into that, I wanna talk a little bit about why I'm calling myself a former nurse. My nursing licenses are still current and in good standing. Um, So it's nothing like that. I have been a psychiatric and chemical dependency nurse since 2013. I started my prerequisites for nursing in 2009 um, and I graduated in 2013 and pretty much have realized that even beyond um, my autism diagnosis that I have been miserable ever since. Miserable. Like meltdown, breakdown, um, angry, Some of it was working at night. Working overnight is just a nightmare. <laughs> it was so hard. It just makes it. It takes a special kind of person to work at night. And I loved working at night, but it like did a number on my brain and my emotional state. So I couldn't work nights, even though I loved working nights. You know, as a nurse, I don't want to have to think about money. I don't want to have to put money before people's well-being, but you don't have a choice and decisions have to be made. But it's gotten to the point in the healthcare system where they're making so many, they're cut, like they're cutting so many corners. They're making so many decisions that are dangerous. And then it just seems like nurses are getting thrown under the bus. So in California, you would think I'd be safe here because there is patient to nurse ratios that are the law. So a nurse cannot by law handle more than a certain number of patients. A lot of times they'll just not accept more patients even if there's room for them, but there's no staff. There's not enough staff to take care of them. There is no law against them cutting our support staff like the unit secretary or the nurse's aides or the mental health techs. Uh, And those people generally would be taking care of things like making dinners for them, bringing them snacks, helping them with the TV set, you know, like kind of keeping an eye on them so that if anyone's looking like they're getting upset or agitated, they can come tell the nurse. So, you know, they'll get cut that staff And then I'm in the kitchen making macaroni and cheeses like the most highly paid waitress while my patients are, nobody's watching them. You know, when it, what it should be is that I'm bringing them medication and keeping an eye on their vital signs and that the nursing assistant 
or the mental health tech is going to the kitchen and making the macaroni and cheese. So, you know, I just started hearing more and more stories and I'm not going to get totally into them. You can kind of Google them yourself. But I've just been hearing one too many stories over the past few months of nurses getting charged with negligence and murder. Not, I mean, and not even involuntary manslaughter. We're talking murder. And it was really not the fault of these nurses completely. You know, like the hospitals kind of set them up for failure. They were using broken equipment or they're in a state where they don't have patient to nurse ratios and they're completely understaffed and overworked. And they're being asked to do things that you can't, you know, you can't break the laws of physics. It takes a certain amount of time to change a wound dressing or to pass a medication to make sure that you're doing it correctly. You can't do these things in a rush. And oftentimes you're asked to, and if you don't have support system around you, it's, it's a recipe for failure. Patients get hurt, patients die, and if you think a billion dollar you know, uh, healthcare institution is gonna take the fall, it's not gonna happen. It's the nurses and the doctors and the people that care for the patients that are getting thrown under the bus. And the other thing is, I was just diagnosed on the autism spectrum, so I am like, <laughs> you know, I'm an easy target to throw under the bus because we just miss those kind of cues that help us stay out of that kind of trouble. You know, we're the ones that will get bullied into doing things beyond our scope. And, you know, I just can't be in that kind of atmosphere. I know I mentioned before, I, I know a lot of adults on the autism spectrum that didn't really figure out what was going on with them until they had kids because the responsibility of having kids kind of put them over the edge and kind of made them realize that something was going on and then they were able to get a diagnosis. For me, it was being a nurse these last 10 years. It was so overwhelming. This is overwhelming for a normal human, a normal, any normal human being, neurotypical or not neurotypical. You're going to be very stressed out, but it was it was something that was so overwhelming for me. I remember one time I thought there was an earthquake and my boss was like, no, how is your blood pressure? It was just, I was having so much neurological overload and a lot of ethical questions too. You know, like I didn't want to be in a situation not only where I was going to get in trouble or lose my license or be charged with negligence or something because you know, I didn't have enough support or enough of the right equipment to do my job correctly. The bottom line was I was miserable. I was having so many meltdowns. And in one way, you know, it's, if that hadn't happened, I would have never gotten the right diagnosis. And if I hadn't gotten the right diagnosis, I would have not gotten a right, um, an executive functioning coach. And if I didn't have an executive functioning coach, I wouldn't be able to be in a position to say, you know what, I think I don't want to be a nurse right now. (laughs) You know, I'd never say never. Um, If the system transforms and changes in some way, you know, I might consider it again. I did love being a nurse in a lot of ways, but the way the system was set up, it's not healthy for the patients and it's not healthy or safe for the people working in it. 
and I can't I just don't want to be a part of that right now so right now I am just gonna focus on writing my mental health podcasts and I'm also an astrologer and I'm gonna be starting another podcast um, astrology readings by Leslie and I'll be talking about what time is it which is what basically astrology does but I digress for this one we're talking about planning ahead for the future and that's kind of part of the reason I don't want to be a nurse right now um, planning ahead I don't want to be I don't want to spend what little is left of my short life my short time here on earth having meltdowns you know screaming at people that I love because I'm you know having a meltdown and I'm miserable because there's so many things that are out of my control at the hospital that prevent me from caring about other people the way I feel that I should be able to care for other people it's just you end up losing all of your empathy and compassion in order to survive and that's not the person that I want to be so here I am reading a little bit of my book to you and telling you about some of the things that helped me overcome my own mental health issues and my own struggles with anxiety and depression and I can't even stress enough how important executive functioning skills are and finding an executive functioning coach so if you can squeeze out the money to pay for an executive functioning coach even if it's just once or twice a month because you feel like you can't get your life organized I can't even tell you how important that is because it's very very difficult to think and plan ahead like my Zen principle number three says to do um, a little quote here that I love it is better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared and that was Whitney M Young jr. he was a civil rights activist now the other point I want to make about being prepared and thinking and planning ahead is that it's very different from saying oh I'll take care of that later you know to me that's like stealing from your future self like charging up credit cards and things like that is stealing from your future self being miserable in the present is not setting yourself up for success in the future but one of the most important things about this chapter is it kind of sums up why I named my book the Zen of learning to ride a motorcycle and um, like where this whole concept of my book came from how I did one thing is how I did everything and this is a, a, a Zen concept how you do one thing is how you do everything so if you are focused and meticulous and nurturing and caring about doing the laundry and sweeping your floors and cooking your dinner and in your everyday life you're going to carry that over into the other things that you do so as I'm kind of starting off as a new author and I also am trying to structure um, a an astrology business it reminds me a little bit of back when I was in my 20s I was pursuing a singing career and I was a really good singer I was a really good songwriter I cultivated skills I had a bachelor's degree in music but the thing that I didn't cultivate 
was a good sense of planning for the future. Like how can I structure this dream of mine of creating and being a singer into a long-term kind of business and something that is going to carry me in, in the future. Um, when I think of creativity, I think of flowing water. And when I think of flowing water, you think of, you know, a river going downstream, but it's kind of, it's, the water's going away. It's getting away from you. So what people have done is they've created dams. And this way the water is there for you in a reservoir when we need to drink it. And if the dam gets full, you can op they open the dam. So I kind of think about that as how a person who's really creative needs to, they need to build that structure to hold their creative art. And that was something that I wasn't good at when I was younger. And it's because I didn't know that I was lacking in something called executive functioning skills. <laughs> so now that I have cultivated some of those skills, I'm taking my, my new dreams of being a writer and working for myself and finally learning how to create that structure using my executive functioning skills to hold on to my dreams. So I'm going to read a little bit for, from my book because when I was pursuing my singing career, I spent most of that time taking voice lessons from this one particular teacher that she really knew what she was talking about and she really knew how to teach singing, but I was not understanding how to plan. Like I was going into debt and spending a lot of money on the lessons and spending a lot of money on, you know, clothes and things like that for performing, but not really, you know, all the fun stuff, but I wasn't sitting down and trying to come up with a structure, or even if I needed to at the time, hire somebody, hey, help me structure myself as a singer into a business that I can live off of in the future. So I had to learn the hard way, and I hate learning things the hard way. Like my singing career. I love the therapeutic aspects of singing, how the words I could sing in a song would have sounded awkward when spoken in a conversation. In a song, however, I could say exactly what I wanted to say in the most over-the-top fashion. People appreciated my words in the context of singing, but that's only 10% of it. Later, I realized being a singer was not so much about singing. I learned that the hard way, that it is 90% about being a cutthroat business, and there are vultures out there in every form from managers to mentors. When I was pursuing my singing career, I was taking advice from a person who was emptying my wallet. Living in the future instead of planning for it was how I pursued my career. My voice teacher would tell me if I had a backup plan to my singing career, I would fall back on it. She said that if I believed in myself, I would have a career as a famous singer. I shouldn't need anything to fall back on. The problem with this plan was that I didn't believe in myself at all. It wasn't even realistic advice to begin with. Things happen in life that we don't always plan for. Things happen that we can't always control. And we also grow and change in our lives and our dreams of the future and values change too. I'm not sure I ever wanted what it entailed to be a celebrity. Sure, I was in love with the idea of being a singer, but did I really want to be the next Christina Aguilera? Tabloids, gossip, industry vampires, shit-talking predators, it never seemed like a very healthy environment. I didn't need a backup plan in case I didn't become a famous singer. What I needed was a backup plan in case I decided a singing career wasn't for me. 
What I needed was a backup plan so that I would not end up beholden to someone else's agenda. Not having a backup plan is one way to lose your autonomy. I love to sing. I don't love the music industry. My only regret back then is that I did not trust myself to make my own decisions sooner. Part of planning ahead on a motorcycle is spending time working on our slow skills in a parking lot. This way we aren't caught off guard when someone driving a car on the road does something unexpected. Are you comfortable swerving out of the way of danger? Have you practiced smooth braking skills using the back brake and not just the front brake? When people who don't ride motorcycles find out that you ride a motorcycle, the first thing they do is tell you how dangerous it is, often accompanied by, I knew someone who knows someone that rides a motorcycle, followed by some gruesome story of death. When I'm riding my motorcycle, I'm not thinking about accidents or death though. I'm focused on what's happening in front of me because I've already planned ahead by making sure my bike is safe and running properly, that my gear is protective and appropriate, and that I've chosen the route I'm going to take in advance, then I'm not going to be distracted by my own thoughts or fears. I spent eight months of weekends practicing slow skills, emergency braking, and tight turns in a parking lot. I made sure I was fully prepared to go on the road before I went on the road. I did everything I could to protect my future self on the road in advance. So when you're thinking of planning ahead, be kind to your future self by protecting your future self because it's not really matter a matter of if you will encounter the unexpected, but when. When we don't plan, we steal from our future selves. It starts really small and is barely noticeable at first. I had stolen from my future self many times. And what I mean by that is I used to just, you know, charge things up on credit cards and be like, oh, someday I'll be famous and make a million dollars and I'll pay these off. But there was never really a a structured, realistic plan for that. So when I initially finished writing my book, um, I was thinking about this concept of how a person does one thing is how a person does everything. And I'd heard that from a lot of different self-help authors and I, but I didn't know really where it originated. So I kind of just did a little search and it was like, oh, this is actually a Zen principle. I was thinking about that with my motorcycle because I started realizing if I'm thinking and planning ahead on the motorcycle, I started transferring those concepts to other areas of my life. So the main difference between now and when I was in my 20s is that in my 20s, I was just running up credit cards and, you know, my... My mentor at the time was like, oh, don't worry, you're going to be famous and rich and you can pay these off later. And now, like I have business accounts and money that I make um, from my book and and from my clients goes directly into the business account and then the business account pays for the business expenses. (laughs) I mean, and then, you know, everything is structured and taxed. Like I have, you know, some marketing plans and I have you know, plans on, you know, how to, you know, I have plans for the future instead of stealing from the future. And when you're just charging up a credit card and hoping that someday you're going to get a big break and make a shit ton of money and pay everything off, you're basically just stealing from yourself in the future. Sometimes even when I'm just doing laundry and things like that, the thought comes to myself, oh, I'm going to take care of my future self by Um, turning the clothes right side out and, (laughs) you know, just, you know, taking, getting the crumpled up socks out of the, uh, the leggings when I throw them in the 
laundry bin. I mean, I know that sounds kind of silly, but it's like, if I do that now, then I don't have to do it later. And it just makes it easier for my future self to do the laundry. So, you know, that's just on a, on a tiny level. On a larger level, it's doing things like, you know, not charging up your credit card and thinking that you're going to win the lottery later to pay it off. That's stealing from your future self. Anyway, so that was basically the Zen principle number three from chapter three of my book, The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. Um, If you are interested in reading my book yourself, it is available on audiobook, paperback, and Kindle. And you can go get that on Amazon. If you don't like Amazon, and a lot of people don't, um, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it pretty much anywhere books are sold online. And um, if you look, do a little search, you might even find some signed copies for sale online. (laughs) Um, So anyway, um, I hope that this talk has been helpful for you. And remember to take care of your future self when you are going through your life so that you can just enjoy the present moment where you are right now. My name is Leslie Reyes. I'm the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. This is Facing Fears and Shifting Gears. And I will be back the first Monday of the month to talk about my fourth Zen principle of good motorcycle riding habits, which is if you break something, fix it. And we will be talking about that next month. I hope that you will join me then.